Hello and welcome back to the Sleepers and Keepers Fantasy Hockey Podcast, part of the Hockey News Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jason Chen, and joining me is my co-host, Michael Amato. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Jason. How are you? Good, good, good. So, uh, interesting week coming up in fantasy, and uh, you mentioned before the show that you were talking about blocking in fantasy yes. hockey, and I and I mentioned, and I thought you had talked about, uh, you meant block shots, and I was like, we, we talked about this earlier in the show, earlier early in the year, about how block shots were like a big thing this year, not so much hits, but you're talking about blocking of another kind. Yeah, not block shots, but the etiquette around blocking uh, people in your league or opponents from picking up players. So, you know, yeah, essentially, please elaborate. I'd so love this. basically, the, I would say like the etiquette around that. So like I had a scenario this week where um, in my league, you know, you you have to get three, a minimum of three goalie starts a week for your stats to count. So the guy I was playing uh, only had two starts going into Saturday. He had two Jeremy Swayman starts, both very good. He was beating me in three of the four categories. So as the day goes by, I'm realizing he's not picking up a goalie here. There's very few games on Sunday, only two games. So he's essentially running out of options. And instead of me trying to chase, you know, the shots on goal or the hits category or the power play points category, I'm thinking is my better strategy here to try and add a couple of goalies to narrow his <laughs> options from picking it up. So I love it. Es- essentially what happened was he had Swayman, Martin Jones and Laurent Brassois. And obviously on Saturday, all Mark Samsonov and Hellebuck played. So he was, he was out of luck as the night sort of went through, he didn't add anyone. So I picked up, uh, Daniil, Tarasov before the puck dropped at uh, 10 p.m. ET for the Canucks Blue Jackets game because I think Tarasov is probably going to play tonight as we record this podcast. Um, And I looked around our league and Talbot and Riddick were on rosters already. Um, The Kings were playing today. Bennington was on a roster. And Decord, who I have, was rostered. So his only options uh, were basically... To grab either if Grubauer started, which he's not, it sounds like the cord starting, or if Hofer was starting, um, and Hofer did start today, he played this afternoon. So I was debating: do I just drop Tarasov again, like right away for Hofer, because Tarasov will go back on waivers for two days. There's like a two-day limit you can't pick him up again and then i would get hofer and i would win all four goalie categories it would be a swing of (laughs) of me losing eight four me winning seven five like it's pretty significant right but i guess the etiquette here is like there are probably other people in your league that also might need a goalie today that try to win their matchup so you're all you're not just blocking your opponent you're blocking like others as well have you ever seen this in your league uh i do this I think it's I think it's completely within the rules. I think it's a little sneaky and yep. definitely I, I wouldn't say it's bad etiquette, but it's definitely it, it definitely makes enemies out of uh, everyone in the league for you. Um, I've definitely been in a situation where even if an opponent is looking at offensive categories, I'll try and pluck the one player they might need if it's faceoffs or blocks or even yeah. hits. Um, I'll, I'll pluck them off waivers. The only the drawback with doing that is 
sometimes you end up dropping a player that you may need down the road. It and screws you up your roster. Losing, yeah, risk yeah. losing that that uh, player. But if it wins you the week and it's a really important week, I'm all for it. Like I'm all I'm all about maximum chaos in fantasy hockey. So anything that time, anything that anytime that happens, um, even if it's to me, I think it's fair game, and I just have a chuckle and say, "Hey, good job, GG." Yeah. So I think the other issue, like in our league, you have a maximum uh, amount of moves that you're allowed for the year. Mm-hmm. So like, I didn't want to burn that many moves doing it so i actually didn't i didn't add hofer i just kind of watched closely um the hour sort of leading up to the blues kings game to see if because here's here's another little wrinkle like i noticed he had matt Beniers in an ir slot so in order to add a goalie he would have to activate Beniers, who's now healthy so i would get that notification on my phone like he's so once he did that then i would be like okay i better grab hofer if i want to do it because mm-hmm. He's suddenly paying attention here, but someone <laughs> someone else picked up Hofer like five minutes before puck drop, so I ended up saving a move there. But yeah, it's it's one of those things. I think it's part of roster management, part of for sure. kind of just paying attention. I think if you can do it, there's there's nothing wrong with it. It's the same thing. Like if early in the week and I have maximum or minimum goalie starts, and I get you know three wins and maybe a shutout. I'll probably bench my goalies for the rest of the week, knowing oh, definitely. I have like three of the five categories locked up. I kind of hate doing it, um, but sometimes you gotta play them play with the math a little bit. I do that all the time. Like less is more with goalies. The more goalie starts you you do, the, the more chance it's gonna just go haywire for you. Yeah, because the amount of quality starts this year has been very low. Very low, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, by the way, for your league, is it maximum moves for the week or for the year? Like, are you allowed uh, to like technically could you use all your moves in one week? If you want? No, so it's both. Oh, you can't use more okay. than four moves in a week and okay. 48 for the season. But 48 is so low. How'd you guys come up with that number? I don't know. I think it's it makes it more challenging, I guess. Um, the thing is yeah, too, sure. like it's actually like I actually cap it at 36 because like that that includes the the 48 includes the playoffs so there's three rounds to the playoffs so i want to make sure in the playoffs okay. i leave myself 12 moves so i have four four moves for every playoff round essentially okay um, like the and two of those moves are for blocking right yeah if i need it who knows <laughs> right so it's definitely uh it definitely gets hard sometimes you basically you just don't want to waste moves in this league it's actually not crazy like it works out to be like almost two moves a week you could make if you wanted okay. to so you yeah, just yeah, can't yeah. go haywire with the moves, basically. Go just go like too too crazy with them. And we're kind of like far away from the playoffs still, but I would say that adding and dropping players in the playoffs is far more. I, I wouldn't say safer, but I, I think I'm more judicious in dropping players in the playoffs because I know half the teams won't pick them up. Yeah, and and I have to make aggressive moves if I want to win this week because there's it's do or die, right? It's kind of like like goaltending too. I find gets mm-hmm. easier in the playoffs because it almost doesn't matter who you have. Like you're just looking for a good matchup at that point, right? Like yeah, I almost yeah. go from three goalies to two when the playoffs start. I add an extra skater, and then I just look for a streamer that you know is playing like the Sharks or something. Yeah. So like for example, if the Kings make the playoffs, and you have a Kings, and they face the Abs in the first round, you're not rostering Riddick or Talbot or anyone else they pick up. Like no. there's no point. Yeah, you're just going to keep your goal. Like the, the two you trust the most, and then you just kind of stream from there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
All right, let's get to some news. Uh, real quick, Zach Breezy signs with the Avs. I think this is a great move for the Avs. What do you think? I do too. Good depth piece. Um, I don't know how much fantasy value he'll have there. I mean, he definitely has. He's going to skate a quite a few minutes because yeah. I do think they're short on quality players. The only thought I have is that it might take some value away from like a Ross Colton or an Arturi Lekkinen. Yep. Maybe McKinnon and, and Ranton and get sweat up a little bit, little bit. Maybe Duran's minutes drop. It has already. Um, but I just think anytime a player joins the Avs, if they can share the ice with McKinnon or or, or Rantanen, uh, their fantasy value gets a little boost. Yeah, I think right now, and the and the Avs have been playing like seven defensemen lately, so they needed a forward mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think if right now, as long as Ranton and McKinnon are together, the only player with a lot of value is whoever's playing next to them. Right, right now it's been Drewan. So unless well, we can take that over, like we'll. See. I was gonna say Ross Colton too, because it seems like he's locked in as their number two center because Ryan Johansson has stunk for most of the year. And I think with Colton, um, with the amount of minutes he gets and he's got some offensive upside, I do, I do like him as like a sneaky ad. Yeah. I think he has some value. I just think like, if you're talking about kind of difference makers, um, you, you almost yeah. have to play with McKinnon or, or Ranton, obviously in deep leagues. Yeah. You could roster Colton, uh, for sure. But yeah, we'll see what Parise does. Like I kind of feel like he might land on the third line. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, I would just see where he where he ends up and go from there. Uh, Patrick Line, uh indefinitely entered the NHL NHLPA Players Assistance Program. Uh, been a tough season, seasons, plural, for him for a while. Um, I mean, I don't think there's any fantasy value there, even if he comes back this season. But go, heading into next season, uh, this is a guy I can actually see getting undrafted, depending on you know where he ends up and what he where he uh, plays next season. Um, what's your take on Patrick Line's fantasy value? Like he's an enormously talented player. Yeah, he definitely is. And I think this year, you know, he almost became unrosterable at times with the scratches and, and kind of the inconsistency. Yeah. And now I think it's just, you know, he's, it sounds like, you know, he may or may not be back this year. Who knows? But you know, the jackets aren't great. So I think there was just a report, um, like a couple of days before this, that like he might be available in a trade i think maybe yeah you know uh, another change of scenery maybe helps him um but uh, yeah i think i depends on where it ends up for sure for sure i think i agree with you though probably next fall you know at draft time he's probably not drafted or he's like a flyer taken with like a a last yeah he's like your last pick yeah yeah agreed uh philip heedle out for the season the rangers just announced it he actually came back from czechia so things were trending up uh, something happened and suffered a setback. I think it's probably a good move for such a young player, but it's disappointing, and it looks like we won't see the kid line with Lafreniere, Heedle, and and Kako for quite some time. Yeah, hard luck for him. You know, had a career year last year, 22 goals. Um, yeah, just one of those lost seasons. It's unfortunate. Again, another guy I, I don't see getting drafted next year. Um, have to see what happens. Hopefully, just his health, right? Hopefully, he can... Well, if he's healthy, he might be drafted, right? As like a sleeper. It's possible. I'm just saying, yeah, like for his, you know, long-term health, hopefully he's better. And, you know, hockey might be secondary right now when you talk about those concussions, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so we're heading into the All-Star break. Uh, We only have six games from Monday to Wednesday starting next week. Um, So I I figured this is a good time to talk about 
teams to fade in the second half or, or teams to maybe bandwagon on in the second half. Uh, right off the bat, team to fade, it's got to be the Kings, right? Yeah, it's it's not looking good there. Um, I don't know how much of a Talbot problem it is as opposed to... You it's know, a just, team problem. It's a no, team it's issue. A, it's a pure Luke Dubois problem. Yeah, Any team a, that gets Dubois is not going to do well. It's a bigger <laughs> issue than just Cam Talbot. You know, Riddick gave up four today. He's been, he looked good for a bit. Now he's kind of, you know, looking questionable again. So I don't know. Um, it's a tough one. You know, they've, they've really hit a funk. Um, and like Talbot's so interesting right now because last I checked, he was still over 80% roster. That's probably dropped. Yeah. Okay. So that's, I kind of want to mention that. Yeah. Like, do you drop him? I'm on the verge of dropping him. I have Talbot in one of my leagues and granted I'm rostering four goalies right now, just for Talbot's my fourth. Yeah, and I just figure like I don't see that much upside, and I don't see them turning around unless there's some massive shakeup. Um, we've seen coaching changes made this late in the season before. I don't know if that's the move they make, but I I don't trust the Kings right now, and even offensively, it's hard to trust some of their players, right? Like Fiala, so on and off. Um, Kopitar is really steady, but he's getting old. Deneau's capped offensively. Uh, Moore's good, but he doesn't always score a whole bunch of goals. Kempe's good too, but same boat. Um, I just don't think the Kings can turn around. And if they keep doing this, they're going to miss the playoffs. I know. Like I, I consider dropping Talbot too in my blocking strategy for Tarasov. He was going to be my potential <laughs> drop. And then I thought about it a little more, and I kind of looked at Samsonov and I think it's like important to remember that like goalies can go like as as fast as they can go from like good to bad they can go from bad to good really quick too so in my head I was thinking like I only have Decord and uh, Markstrom as well so it's not like I'm Hmm. completely solidified there so I thought you know what let me just hold them until after the break see if anything changes um, and and we'll go from there because I do think like Samsonov is a good lesson of like you know, you can be basically written off and then a few weeks later be a pretty valuable fantasy piece, right? Actually, a couple people asked me, should I drop Talbot for Samson off? Which is like... Would you? I would. Uh, at this I, point, I, I would. I trust... Yeah, yeah. well, he, it's a risk for sure, but I would definitely roster Samson off over Talbot right now. Oh, right now, 100%. And I think it's 100% justified if you want to drop Talbot. Like, there's nothing... Yeah. I would say that's a wrong move. I just think it's like, you got to think Even, about uh, how fast it can change. Even for sometimes big save, Dave. <laughs> yeah, like I, I would. I thing is, I'd rather have Talbot than Riddick still, if it were right. me. But yeah, I because I don't really like where the Kings are trending. So I think like yeah. dropping him is justifiable. But you know, we'll see. Things can turn. True. Uh, two more Western Conference teams, real quick. National Predators. I don't know how much they can rely on that top line. UC Saros hasn't been great all season. Uh, that defense worries a little bit. A little bit. Um, and the Minnesota Wild, um, just because I, I think they have a lot of good fantasy options, but as a team, I think they're missing a lot of pieces. Um, that goaltending is not great, even though they've been winning games lately. But uh, those are probably the two teams I start to think about fading if you roster any of them. I'd agree. I think I trust the Predators a little more than the Wild, believe it or not, yeah. at this point. Um, even though the Predators, I think some of their players were having like pretty unsustainable starts. Like yeah, Ryan they were O'Reilly. just punching their w- above their weight all season. 
in yeah, my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Like even Gus Nyquist was on an incredible tear. Like he's quieted a bit. Mm-hmm. O'Reilly Forsberg, like those guys were really good um, in the first half. We'll see if they can keep it going, but I don't know. I think they're going to dip a bit. Yeah, the Wild. I think the Wild have a lot of good fantasy players still, but yeah, Gustafson I think is going to going to be up and down a lot. Um, it's, it's just going to be hard for them, I think, to to keep pace and win a lot of games in the second half. I wonder if you roster Marc-Andre Fleury right now if you're hoping for a trade to another team. It's a strategy. I always, you know, people do that every year before the, leading up to the deadline. You grab a goalie that you think could get dealt to a better team. Um, we saw with Corpusalo last year. Um, maybe it's something you could look at. Fleury, Fleury could. I'm trying to figure out where it would be a fit for him, though. I mean, there's a lot of goalies on the market, but I, I feel like this time last year there were a lot more moves, but maybe after the All-Star game when players you know, can do, you know, whispered into each other's ears and be like, hey, come play for us. We can use you. Maybe that's when the moves get uh, get going. So after the break, we'll look for that. Uh, in the East, I'm concerned about the Philadelphia Flyers. So uh, this is sometimes I call it the John Tortorella second half fade because he pushes his team so hard. Um, and it's not that the Flyers are bad. I love the Flyers. I just think that they run out of gas sometimes. And when it, the going gets tough, especially within these months, um, and they missed Owen Tippett for a few games. I, I do think that maybe it's time to start feigning them, and especially that goaltending. Um, Samuel Orson's taking on a big workout load now that uh, Carter Hart's unavailable. Yeah, I think that's going to be the biggest challenge for them is what do they do in net? Um, Orson's looked pretty human lately. He's come way back down to earth. His last four starts have been really bad. I think he was a great streamer this year, a good spot start guy, but it's a bit of a different story when you got to play Every night, and he's only got, I don't even think he's played 40 NHL games yet. So mm-hmm. he'd be asking a lot in the middle of a, you know, a playoff race for him to to kind of keep that up. And I know a lot of people, I kind of talked about yesterday, the Flyers might be a sneaky team in the market for a goalie because I, I don't know how big of a trade they're going to make because a lot of people are pointing out, you know, this isn't the year for them to contend. They're kind of yeah. playing above their capabilities, but I think they could still add a veteran. You know, it's going to be February next week. You're in a playoff spot. Like, how do you kind of, just sort of concede the season. You have to, I think, at least try. And yeah, I agree. You know, I think right now goaltending is derailing them for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, second half surprises for me. One team to keep an eye on is Calgary, just because they're top line scoring again. Uh, not as hot as they were maybe a, a week or two ago, um, but the fact that they're actually getting points out of Jonathan Huberdo, I think, is a good thing. Um, Markstrom still runs a little bit hot and cold, but he's generally a really good goalie. Um, and I do think there's plenty of teams they can beat up on in the Pacific right now. Yeah, I think they're, I don't think they're going to be like, they might end up being a bit of a seller. Um, because I think they should be, but I think they're competitive. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's what I feel about the flames. Like I don't see them going on a huge tear, but I also don't see them like falling apart. They they seem to Mm -hmm. compete hard every night and they, you know, they want to get every point they can. So that's a good sign. If you have someone like Markstrom, um, and Huberto, like it doesn't feel like, they're going to throw in the towel this year, even though, you know, it might make sense for them to move a Tanev or a Hannafin or obviously mm-hmm. home too. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, Ka- Carolina. Uh, I just think with Kochekov back, <clears throat> anti-Ranta actually looks pretty good. Um, I think they were just unsustainably bad to start the season. And I think this is more the Carolina Hurricanes uh, team that we know. Andre Svechnikov's injury history still scares me. He's in and out of the lineup a lot. But I just think that they're starting to hit their stride. And I don't know. I think going down the stretch, they might be the best team in the Metro. 
it's very possible. They've already, you know, started turning around a bit from yeah. the way they started. So yeah, I think, and they were scoring a lot lately. Um, mm-hmm. Like before, you know, a couple like before the holidays, they were really tearing it up. Their power play was really strong. Um, you know, and they're scoring a lot more recently. I think Martin uh, Natchez has looked really, really good mm-hmm. lately coming back from injury. He's been on fire. So there's a lot of talented players there. That I'm actually more encouraged this year by the Canes than I have been in a long time about just individual players and maybe what their ceilings really? are. Well, why is that? I just think, like, some of the games, like, Ajo's had and Shvechnikov's had recently, mm. Natchez, like, it just feels like they're more – a little bit more explosive offensively mm-hmm. to me than they have been in past years, which has always mm-hmm. kind of been their their downfall. I'm not saying it's like a huge difference, but I do think that there's definitely more offensive upside with the team this year than I than I've seen previously. Right, right. Uh, two other teams I kind of want to touch on, but I'm unsure about their second half sort of rise. Uh, for me, Pittsburgh Penguins, I, I've been calling them to make the playoffs all season. I just think if you look at the analytics and some of the games I watch, I think they're a lot better than they get given credit for. Uh, it's just that sometimes they just lose these like really tough games. And then the Sens, I just think that um, there's a lot of talent on their roster. And we talked about last week how they have a lot of options. Um but I also think that maybe they're starting to come around with Pinto and Norris and, and Stutzler having those three guys down the middle. I think that makes a huge difference for them. I definitely don't believe in the Sens, I think. <laughs> well, they're not going to make the playoffs. But yeah. I, just, I, I think they'll be a pretty decent team. Not I think terrible. It, I think it's possible they play better because they can't get much worse than they were <laughs> in the first half. And I have three, I have three Sens on my team, so... I'm I'm rooting for them in that sense to score a lot of goals and mm-hmm. and to do well, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. I I do believe in Pittsburgh more. I was looking at it earlier this week. You mentioned some of like the analytics. I didn't dive too deep into it, but I saw they had a plus fifteen goal differential. Yeah, um, they were fourth in the league. This this was maybe Tuesday. I looked at it in team save percentage, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of shocking that they were in such a bad spot in the standings. If you look at they the can't things. score. Yeah, Which is like they, really crazy, right? It's like on a, uh, with a team that mo- that much talent. But I think that's going to be their issue, right? Like their their elite players for the most part are pretty old now, other than Gensel, and they have a big decision to make there, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and as good as like Crosby and Malkin have been, like if you look at last season, like Malkin was healthy all year last year, mm-hmm. had a really good year. Crosby had another great year, and it still wasn't enough, right? So mm-hmm. I, I know they brought in Carlson this year, but. He hasn't been anywhere close to what he was last year. I just don't know if they have enough as a team, I guess, to to make it. And the East is so that that bottom yeah, wild card chase is really jammed. Like someone's got to separate them, and it's already starting. Like the Leafs, I think, and the Red Wings are in the two wild card spots now, and they're already like like five or six points up on the next team. So like some team has to really step up pretty quick. I do like the Red Wings, even without Patrick Kane. Alex Lyon has been really great. Yeah, if you pick he him up, he's, he's been a really great add uh, for fantasy. Um, let's move on to some players. Uh, there's been plenty of disappointments this year, uh, and I want to bring him up again because I keep getting questions about him, and that's the Devils and Timo Meyer. So my, my thinking with Timo Meyer is if you haven't traded him away, uh, you probably should still keep trying. Uh, to get something out of him. Uh, I traded Meyer earlier uh, this year. I traded for him at the beginning of the season. Um, I re- totally regret it. So I, I got mad and I traded him away. And I'm glad I did um, because I just don't see him turning around the season at all. I, I 
Yeah. And I, I, I and I, honestly, on if you're gonna drop Meyer, um, I don't think it's a huge hit, but you have to be prepared to stream that spot for the rest of the season because whoever you pick up is probably gonna be temporary. Yeah, I think so. I think with Meyer, I, I'm kind of where you are. I thought he had some hope, you know, before his most recent injury. He had a, he had a few three or four strong mm-hmm. games. He got a bunch of goals. And then he got hurt, and now he comes back, and it's kind of it's always stop and start with him. He has like two or three good games, and then he goes quiet. Um, I think the Devils as a whole too are just kind of disappointing this year. Like Jack Hughes yeah, is in this sure. a bunch of time now. Um, I thought Meyer might be able to like actually improve a little bit with Hughes out. He might be able to get some power play one time, but I don't know. It's just a lot of stop and start with him. I agree. If you're still banking on like a bounce back from him. I, I, I we got like thirty something it. games remaining, right? Like yeah. you're not gonna get that much out of him. In a one in a one year league, you gotta try and salvage something. And yeah, he's definitely getting getting into drop territory here. Well, he's not even a keeper. He's not even close to being a keeper level player, though. No, I mean depends on you know, depends on how many guys you can keep. Um, but I wouldn't say I wouldn't <laughs> twenty say guys that. you can keep, <laughs> then maybe he has a chance of being some a leagues have that. Some <laughs> leagues have like ten guys that they keep, but yeah, I don't think so. I I don't see it. It's it's a shame. There's leagues where you can keep ten keepers. I've never seen one. That would be wild. I've I've seen some leagues like that. Unless there's term limits, I I feel like there's so little roster turnover. It'll just be very very boring for me. Yeah, I think there are limits, but yeah, I've seen leagues where you can keep a huge chunk of your roster. Like you really kind of get a an ownership over your team. Mm -hmm. But yeah, even then, I think like Meyer, he'd be hard to like make a case for himself as a candidate with the way he's playing this year. Okay. I have seen leagues where like the the number of seasons you can keep him to also depends on the contract he signs. Oh, so okay. like if 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 like you had Kovachuk and he signed that what was it 11 14 year contract or whatever then you can have potentially 11 or 14 seasons to keep him. Uh but if a player only has one year left on the contract then you can only keep him for one more year. Uh, I've seen leagues like that, but those are more for I think salary cap leagues. Yeah. Um so uh the other player I had kind of grouped together with Myers, Alex Ovechkin. But I think Ovechkin's been better. I think now is like decision time if you have Alexander Ovechkin. Like he's not mm-hmm. going to play for another 10 days or so. Um, he's playing, you know, his best hockey of the year, 11 points in 11 games. You could probably make a case that if you are trading him, this might be the highest his value is going to get this year. Um, so it might be time to look at someone in your league who's got Hopefully, some Ovechkin nostalgia that is is maybe interested in in grabbing him from you, um, because yeah, like if you're looking at the glass, kind of I guess half full. Um, if you're trying to acquire him, like his shooting percentage is, you know, more than fifty percent lower than than what it normally is. His shot volume's actually gotten better. He's on pace for over two hundred eighty shots again. I know still lower than what we're used to, but that's still not bad. Um, and yeah, he's putting up points lately. A lot, a lot of assists anyway. Like. I don't think he's <laughs> a lot of rebounds created off his shots. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he's like the player he was, or there's a lot of talent around him, but yeah, I really think this week for him, you know, if you're going to move him, now's the time to push for it because he does have a little bit of value right now. Well, okay. So let's say you're trying to sell Ovechkin. What are you selling him? Like what, what value does he bring? He's got nine goals on the air. Sure. He shoots the puck a ton, but he doesn't hit that much anymore. He's minus 17 right now. So if you're selling him, like, are you selling him on the fact that maybe he can score more goals? Maybe. But even then, at nine goals, 
so far this season, that's that's well below league average. Well, not league average, but I mean, just about league average if you're at 20 goals. Yeah, I think if you're trying to trying to trade him, now is the best value. Maybe look at, you know, positional a positional player you need. Like you're not, maybe you're not getting somebody back, you know, like the caliber of Ovechkin, but maybe it's an important defenseman or, you know, an important goalie that you can stack. Like maybe I'm just throwing it out there, but maybe it's someone like, you know, Connor Ingram, for an, for example. Like maybe you need a goalie. Maybe someone's got an excess of goalies and maybe they were going to give up Ingram right now for Ovechkin because they're going to take a chance on a buy low. Maybe that helps you down the stretch um, more than, you know, if you would have just kept Ovechkin scoring at his current pace because you actually really need a goalie more than you need even Ovechkin scoring at like a 60-point pace right now. I should also mention that coming out of the All-Star break, the Caps play four games. So uh, that'll be nice because there are only three teams that play four games uh, in the week after the All-Star game. It's Yeah, it's an enticing time to trade him. Like I really think right now is is the time if you if you do want to move him. Because when he, when he gets going again, who knows? He hits another cold streak, and then that's probably it. Uh, speaking of cold streaks, Evan Bouchard, uh, not doing a heck of a lot during this uh, historic winning streak from the Oilers. Um, it's kind of funny sometimes when we watch Evan Bouchard play because he's very involved, but I think their forwards are so good at throwing the puck around that Bouchard might lead the league in third assists, if that was the thing. Yeah, and that's great if you have them because that's a great you know attribute in fantasy. You know, third assists are, are worth the same as second assists, <laughs> primary assists. So nothing wrong with that. Um, but yeah, you know, I think um, I, I was saying earlier, like I watched the Oilers Predators game on Saturday or the first two periods anyway. And I watched like two of Edmonton's power plays, and it just felt like they weren't even using Bouchard. Like he was just standing there at the point and. You know, McDavid circling around the ice with the puck. He's trying to cross seam it to to Drysidel. Drysidel's trying to like chip it in the middle for Nugent Hopkins or get it down low to Hyman, and you don't even see Bouchard like in the screen almost. And I'm watching it like, <laughs> wow, like he's been really quiet lately, and he's got to be more of a factor. Like he's just gotta even with they'll get shots on goal, like get hits, blocks, like do something because he's just kind of really slow. And again, he's still a young player who's playing a lot of minutes this year. Like this is the first time I think, you know, like there's been no Tyson Berry's gone. He's getting all the power play time. So he's playing over 20 minutes a night. He might just need the all-star break to kind of recharge. But yeah, he's definitely been a little concerning lately. I think his main job is just to keep the puck in on the power play. (laughs) (laughs) Get it it to McDavid and get out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they are better down low when McDavid's doing his thing. Like they don't need Bouchard's big point shot to score on the power play. And I mean, every single power play uh, for the Oilers ends up with Hyman trying to bang it in somewhere, right? So um, it is a little concerning, but I wouldn't say Bouchard is tradable or droppable. I just think no. that he's probably going through a, a tough lull right now. And uh, this is what you get with Bouchard. Um, he just runs hot and cold. When he runs hot, it is very, very hot, though. And as far as blocks and hits goes, uh, sometimes, as I like to say, Bouchard only plays D because there's a D in his name. <laughs> I mean, he's, sometimes he's just lost out there. I've definitely He's definitely had a lot of those like, oh, my controller just broke. He just kind of drifts through the screen and you're wondering what the hell's going on. <laughs> yeah, he's not, you know, he's not going to be accused of, you know, getting compared to Scott Stevens or anything like that. But no, not even. I mean, I mean, just the fact that as a defenseman, I just don't see him chase down guys a lot, which is just funny to me. 
But um, I mean, and, when the Oilers and you can score like six, seven goals a game, who cares? Yeah. And I think that's, you know, all you're really concerned about in fantasy is that he's putting up the points and he's, you know, like you said, he's not right now. So it's a bit concerning, but yeah, I think he definitely needs a little bit of a break and, and a recharge. He's the type of player that I'm most concerned about in playoff pools, because I feel like when the space is a little tighter, uh, the physical play gets ratcheted up. He's the type of guy who could disappear. And yeah. if you think about how few penalties are called in the playoffs relative to the regular season, um, I, I do think Bouchard in, in playoff pools is someone you maybe should think twice about. It's not an automatic guy, I should say. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, unless you, you think the Oilers are going to go all the way to the cup final, then it's a different uh, They won't. But, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Uh your Leafs, uh, Elias Samsonov. I'm really, really impressed. You must be impressed as well. Uh, I don't know where he went over that little break, but he looks like a different. I mean, he's team. always had the potential, right? He's only like what 26 years old, so yeah, uh, the potential shows there. He just really, obviously, needed to reset, which is great. Um, we'll talk about Samsonov later when we do our uh, sleepers and keepers picks. Um, but I think. As we said next week, there's a lot of rest of season fantasy value here, uh, even when Joey Wool comes back, because I think at the beginning of the season, the Leafs did sort of tend to want to lean on Samsonov a little bit, has a little bit more experience. So if he plays well, I can see them going back to Samsonov again. Uh, and then Willie Nylander is a bit slumping uh, since he signed his big money contract. Yeah, he signed that deal. Um had a good game against the Sharks, and then it's been pretty much downhill from there. He's been pretty quiet lately. Um, it's kind of concerning, but I think, you know, if you look at his line mate, John Tavares, also been in a huge slump, so that's not helping. The least power play hasn't been that great lately. That's not helping. Um, I think those things won't stay like that forever. Like Tavares scored the other day, I think the power, they got a power play goal. I think that stuff's going to eventually you know, regress positively and, and he'll get back on track. But it's definitely a little concerning. He just doesn't look kind of like the same guy. Like he doesn't look like he's driving the net as much, playing with as much power um, mm -hmm. as he did in the first half. So a little concerning, I guess, if you're rostering Nealander, but I think he'll be fine. Samsonov is actually the most intriguing option. He suddenly like looks like he's clearly, you know, like there. I think there was a debate for a while, like when, when Wool was healthy, like, would would Jones be the backup at that point? I think there was no a. Way. I, I think at one point it was a legitimate thing, and now and now Samsonov's clearly put that to rest. So he'll play, like you said, Samsonov will play even when Wool gets back. I think he's making a case for more starts. Mm -hmm. The only problem is like Wool has missed so much time now that I think he's actually going to be kind of fresh, and he could play a lot down the stretch. But we'll see. Yeah, depending on how he recovers from that high ankle sprain too, right? And yeah. so, I mean, if he comes back and Samsonov's still hot, I don't see how the Leafs don't keep riding Samsonov until something happens, right? Well, they'll definitely give him starts because like Wool, again, Wool hasn't played a ton in this league. He doesn't have a huge sample size. Mm -hmm. They're not going to play him at like a crazy you know, percentage of starts pace. Like they're going to also not overtax him. So I think Samsonov's still going to get playing time as long as he doesn't fall apart again. I think the biggest, I mean, goes without saying, but there's, I think there's a lot of people that still have Martin Jones on their roster. I think that's, you know, he's going to be a drop probably pretty soon, but we'll see. Yeah. I would even venture to say that you could probably drop Jones now. Yeah. I guess it just depends on how, how fast you think Wool's coming back? It sounds like mm -hmm. he might be a little bit a ways away, but mm -hmm. we'll see. 
Yeah, I I, th- I just think Samsonov had some big saves against the Jets, and that's got to be a big confidence booster. Uh, one goalie that I'm losing confidence in is Samuel Ersan on the Flyers. We kind of mentioned it before. Um, but you wonder if the workload's getting to him a little bit. I mean, I don't think anybody trusts Cal Peterson. He had a brief stint earlier with the Flyers. He was horrible, I thought. And I don't know if you saw when Ersan got pulled, Tortorella was kind of like pumping him up a little bit on the bench. Um, I don't know how much that's going to do because I just think this is an experience and workload thing, and it's just part of the growing pains of being a goalie. And you wonder if the Flyers are in a market for a veteran goalie now. Um, Just add one more team into the mix. Yeah, I think they might be. I don't think this has all been on Ersan, but yeah, he's definitely been playing a lot fun fact actually i drafted cal peterson last year <laughs> on the kings as a, as my last pick as a zero g candidate um you know you, you have about, fun you talked about regrets with team home hire <laughs> that's that was a huge regret i um, i feel like though as a last pick there's probably less pain no yeah i had nothing to lose i thought you know kings are a good team i thought quick was kind of going downhill so maybe you know peterson steps up and grabs it but yeah it was a it was a disaster yeah because in all likelihood you probably spent a high pick or a keeper slot like i did on meyer stupidly so (laughs) (laughs) yeah so different degrees of of regret but yeah and you know what hurts most is the player i traded granted there's like a swap of picks and i ended up getting some better picks but you know who the player was i traded away who's that jt miller oh (laughs) my god I thought like and everyone you're a else fan. I know I was I was one of those people who was like, oh well, you know, the Cubs are probably gonna be a playoff contender. I had no idea, no inkling that they were gonna be this good. Like if, it was a talented group, and I thought Miller would kind of regress, but holy hell do I regret that trade so much right now. I I commend you for being able to do the show right now. I don't I don't know where I <laughs> if I if I made that move, I don't know where I would be right now. I might be like <laughs> under a rock somewhere just like <laughs> cowering and sobbing for the last few I know I know is top five worst moves granted I'm still third in my league but I like I don't think this far into the season I don't think I have a shot right now I just want to kind of finish second though is it but is it roto or uh, it's roto it's roto hmm. so, okay, so yeah yeah, and I had really good centers, and I felt Miller was maybe expendable and I thought maybe the Canucks regress a little bit or Miller did would but uh, yeah, um, great, great experts on this show right now. <laughs> now that we've talked about how bad we are, let's uh, yeah. give out some more advice. Yeah, yeah like uh, Braden Shen being on fire. He's been great. Yeah, huge turnaround for Shen. I think he had no points in 12 games, and now he's got like 11 and 10 or something like that. He's just been unbelievable. The Blues lately have been, yeah, they've I been think they're in a good. playoff spot with today's win over the Kings. Like they're. I think they're back in it. Like they, they've looked really good lately. Bushnevich, Cairo, they've been scoring a lot as well. Um, Bennington actually hasn't been terrible this year. Um, interestingly enough, they're kind of a funny team. Like they're missing Justin Falk too right now. So I don't know. They might actually be. We didn't talk about them, but a second half team to watch too. Yeah, for sure. As long as that goaltending holds, Bennington's always been like a decent goalie. Like all things considered, he's just a bit of a head case. <laughs> He's and, been he's has when he's when he's down, he's down. Like his lows mm-hmm. are low, but he can play well too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. a uh, couple other guys. Uh, I mentioned wrote about him a few times this year and actually wrote about them last week. But why Johnston and Thomas Harley for the stars? Incredible. Uh why Johnston, 
top line. Really great chemistry uh, with uh, Rupe Hens. But Thomas Harley, I, I'd be willing to bet, you know, that he scores more points than Miro Haskin next year, even this year, even. I don't disagree. Haskinen is always like the team captain of my better in real life than in fantasy <laughs> players. Um, and Harley's been great since Haskinen's been back. Like he, he hasn't lost any value, you know, four points in a couple of games, mm-hmm. still playing like over 22 minutes. He's definitely a hold right now. Um, so yeah, I'm not worried about Harley at all. Good news on Johnston is he, the other day he got right wing uh, eligibility, which is huge because he's still taking faceoffs. In the, on that so line. tough and to he, predict. Yeah, tough to predict with the Yahoo system, though. Yeah, so he's he, he's in a great spot, scoring a lot, and yeah, he'd be a good good ad if you can still get him. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, real quick, um, Nicholas Waugh and uh, Ivan Barbashev have been really great for the Golden Knights. Again, just to show off my uh, expertise, I picked up Chandler Stevenson. Uh, thinking that he would capitalize, uh, didn't score a lot, got me a lot of face-off wins, which is nice. But I think the Waugh, Barbashev, Marsha Show line is the one you should focus on. If you look at some of the analytics for some of the individual games, Stevenson and Stone have not been so great lately. Yeah, Marsha Show has actually been really good. He's playing like his best hockey of the year with Eichel and Carlson out, which mm-hmm. is weird. But yeah, I, I didn't, I was almost going to pick up Waugh this week too, and I, and I passed on it, and... Yeah, I'm regretting it as well. Um, another, he played four games. He had a ton of points. Mm-hmm. He, he does a lot. Like he's a good category filler. Yeah, um, center right wing with faceoffs too. And even though Car- uh, Carlson got activated today, I don't know if Wa is necessarily a, a drop. Like I don't know. I, how it's yeah, I don't think the Knights break up that Wall Barbashev Marshall line. That yeah, line's been so good for them. I think it's Stevenson who might get taken off. Actually, yeah, I do too. And I think Eichel is still gonna be out for a while. So. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think I just keep holding Wall for now. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, okay, so we're coming out to the end of the show, but just a note about the long week uh, coming up after the All Star Game. So Monday, Wednesday, uh, before the break, and then the following Monday to Sunday are all combined into one week. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Actually, if you look at the schedule, it's kind of interesting. So the there's three teams uh, that are playing two games before the break. So that's Nashville, Ottawa, and San Jose. San Jose, those are the three teams that you maybe want to target beforehand. But San Jose actually does not play for a full two weeks uh, after their last game before the break. So they go that might one be a good full- thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for everyone's mental health, I guess. Yeah. But for like a full two weeks, they don't play. So maybe as one of your moves, your precious moves, you want to stock up on like, I don't know, Couture or Hurdle for two games and they just drop them right away because you're not going to play. Yeah, see, that's the kind of thing like in my league we were talking about earlier that that kind of hurts you. Like you would normally do that, but are you going to spend a move just for like three days to give you a little bit of an edge? I always find like I end up making up. Depends on the player. Move. Yeah, it's true. It depends on who's available and like the matchups, but I usually just wait till that second week of the matchup of like the head to head matchup and sort of go mm-hmm. from there and see what makes the most sense. As I think you said Washington plays four times. There's a couple teams that play four times in that yeah. next week. Yeah. Yeah. So the Caps, the Avs, and the Canucks uh play four times. Um the the Canucks and the Avs are on a pretty tough road trip. So for the Canucks, they play Carolina, Boston. Detroit, who's on the rise, and the Colorado, they go through Rangers. Uh, Jersey's maybe a good team. I don't think they are, but 
potentially. And then Carolina and Florida. Florida is probably arguably the best team in the East right now. Florida's scary. If there's yeah. one team I don't want the Leafs to play in the entire NHL, it's, it's Florida. Like it, I'd play any <laughs> other no team. fear against Boston, even if they face them in the first round. I'd, I'd rather I'd rather them play Boston. Florida looks like a just a machine of like, you know, a group of players playing together that is just like it's gonna be really tough to beat them, I think, in a seven game series. Yeah. And I know Aaron Ekblad gets a little hate, but he's actually been quite good in fantasy over the past few weeks. Yeah, he's picked it up. Montour is still kind of quiet there, which is weird because he's getting a lot of like good deployment and nice time, but Mm-hmm. I just think for a guy who likes to rove, I don't see him roving around as much. So yeah. I think that hurts him a little bit. And I, I, I do think stylistically they've changed a little bit from the previous season as well. Yeah. Uh, but let's go to your sleeper and keeper picks. All right. Uh, sleeper is Pia Suter. Um, been bumped up the Canucks lineup, getting on that amazing uh, first power play Vancouver has. Featuring JT Miller. Yeah, featuring JT <laughs> Miller. Um, two points Saturday for Suter, a hat trick the other day. He's in the top six now, too. Um, I think I would grab him. Like you, like we said, the Canucks have four games during this next matchup. So I think he might be a good good guy to stream. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if Pew Suter would end up on power play one for the rest of the season. But definitely Andre Kuzmenko not playing so well has opened up the door for Pew Suter. When they signed Suter, I was like, oh, I've seen him in Chicago. I've seen him a bit in Detroit. I wasn't that impressed. But, I mean, it, it seems like anyone on this Canucks team has just caught fire at some point during the season from, like, Dakota Joshua having a career season to Garland to Hoglander. I mean, it's just this team's running on all cylinders right now. So I do like that pick. Yeah, he looks good in a small sample size. Mm-hmm. Um, my keeper. Mm-hmm. This is maybe like a weird one. I'm going with Troy Terry. Like he's only he's not even 40% rostered, which is kind of you know Yeah, funny. so I think that qualifies because if you're less than 50% rostered in, in Yahoo leagues, that means no one's paying attention to you. And honestly, yeah. he should be way higher than that. Yeah, he's got like eight points in, in five games. Crazy. He's playing crazy well. I think one of the things with him, like McTavish has played so well to start the year for Toronto. Zegers has struggled. Anaheim's a bad team. I think there's just been so many storylines that Terry's kind of almost been forgotten. And he, and he was kind of cold earlier in the season. Now that he's he's on fire, I'm surprised. And, and the Ducks play a lot of, like, off nights, right? If you're trying to work mm-hmm, guys in your lineup, they yes. play a lot of Friday games, a lot of Sunday games. I think Terry would be a good fit for a lot of rosters. Uh, on that note, not one of my picks, but Adam Henrique has been incredible lately. Yeah, very solid. Flexible, right? Can play a lot yeah. of different areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the thing with the Ducks is that sometimes they mix up the lines a little bit. So at at, at some point, Henry and Terry are playing together, but not so much now. So uh, something to watch for. But I think Adam Henrique is also a player that could move teams at the deadline. So that might give him a little fantasy boost, depending on what kind of role he plays for his new team. All right. So for my sleeper, uh, we kind of mentioned him earlier. I think it's Ross Colton. I just like the deployment he's been getting. I don't think Johansson is going to climb back up the depth chart. I just don't think he's been a great fit there. And with Parisian hopefully adding a little more scoring to the wings, maybe Lekkinen moves up the lineup a little bit more. I, I think Ross Colton has some offense in him, and I, I just think quantity will give him a lot of uh, fantasy value. Maybe not a lot, but enough. 
Uh, my keepers, we mentioned them before. Um, Thomas Harley, I've been a big fan of. I think he can be rostered for the rest of the season for sure. Uh, if you've been sleeping under a rock for the past month, I would group Brock Faber in this group. Uh, but I think Faber's just getting more headlines and more deployment because uh, he's just been he's taken over basically since Jared Spurgeon got injured. Um, my other keeper uh, is Ilya Samsonov. I, I've been really, really impressed with the way he's been playing. I think given his age, there's still a lot of potential there. Not sure what kind of Joseph Wool will get, but based on what the Leafs sort of did at the beginning of the season, I do think there's a part of them that really want to lean on Samsonov. So maybe he gets more starts in the second half of the season than Wool. So goalies, just a maybe. Goalies are up and down all the yeah. time. You got to grab them while they're hot. Samsonov is playing well right now. Yeah, yeah, it's a good. If he's there, grab him. Yeah, agreed. Um, anyway, that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. You can always connect with us on Twitter or slash X at Jason Chan 16 and at Amato underscore Mike. Uh, we didn't have any mailbag questions this week, but that's something we'll probably do more of next week because there's not that many games to go over. Um, so please come back next week. New episodes drop Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern. Uh, thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe, follow, and give us a like. Thank you. <laughs>